without these brothers i'm your host dj uh man i'm so excited to be back because the homies is back at least a portion thereof i want to say that i miss this guy yeah i came back with some magic ah deb came (sighs) back from harry potterville with some magic but first let me introduce the co-conspirator of this joint my brother who was over there in England taking care of business and spreading cab love, mm-hmm. spreading the word, doing he was like the uh, an apostle over there. So what's up? Get put your hands together for money, Nathan. <laughs> what's going on, everybody? Yeah, had an awesome time. I feel like we haven't done a show in five years. Uh, you know, we've been doing shows so consistently for like a week. Every you know, once every week we've been doing shows for almost a year now, which is crazy. And to not do them for a couple of weeks is just, uh, it was weird. I missed you guys. Missed you guys. I missed you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did feel the, I, I filled the chasm that you left with uh, the good friends that we have from the UK. I got a chance to see those guys at the Awakening UFO Expo in Blackpool. So I got to catch up with our friend Dan Zetterstrom, Mr. Benny Adams, and Graham Rendell. Had a great time meeting those guys in person. And, uh, and also, our good friend Max McCabe, who's just yeah! as awesome as you would expect him to be uh, in the flesh. So very cool. Ain't, ain't no doubt. Another sister I missed. A woman who really sacrificed. A woman who said, "Can I go twenty four hours without talking UFOs? Can this happen?" <laughs> but she did it. Back from Orlando, from Disney and Universal Studios, is our researcher and mental health professional, Deb at Study of UAPs. What's up? Hi, Mom? everybody. I'm. I am going to kind of just say I did read about UFOs a little bit while I was oh, gone. <laughs> oh, you, you broke the covenant. Man, I, <laughs> I couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. At least you got to see Harry Potter. God bless you. We're, it's yeah. good to have you back, Debs. Uh, we missed you. I'm glad I got to talk to you at least once while you were gone. That was pretty cool. Uh, now, we're going to introduce an original gangster mm-hmm. of ufology. So let me tell you what. I want you to get all that flour off your hands from bread and that chicken and put your hands together for the legend chase klotsky what is good man i don't step to this woman she know what she talking about what's up chase Chase, are you there? Chase is here. For those of you who can't see, Chase is here. I, <laughs> I see thought her. OG stood for old girl. <laughs> no, are you're you're a gangster of ufology. People don't even want to step to it, man. You know what I'm saying? You like with Jack Filet and Grant Cameron yes. and yes. all I these brothers, it. man. Thank you. you know what I'm saying? Yes. What's up? Um, it's it's an honor to have you, Chase. They are the guys I work with. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of grew up with. Those are the homies. That's right. what I'm saying, man. You guys are standing around that 50-gallon drum. You guys got a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit. Yo, pass that over here, man. Mm-hmm. Let me have some Jacques. Give me a nip on that business right there. <laughs> so anyway, 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's not Nolan. He prefers bur- bourbon. I'm a bourbon guy too, so that's good to hear. No, I like man, that. Man, you guys get that way too good. much class for me and Deb, man. That's all I got. No, Nathan drank beer though in the UK. I, I saw did. that. I so, did. Yeah. It was confirmed. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, um, it's awesome to have you. I'm going to let uh, the co-conspirator of the joint, you know who that is. <laughs> that is my man, and we call him Money. Money Nathan. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. So, yes, Chase, great to have you with us. And uh, I just wanted to say how much I was, I'm was. i grateful for what you've done on the, in the field. You know, we're really new to the scene. And I know you've you know seen a little bit of our show, and we enjoy you know everything about this community. We try our best to be positive and, and to really kind of build up the voices that are in this community. You've been around this topic a very long time. You know, you, you've seen it, uh, the, the good and the bad, right? And I'm just kind of curious from your perspective. And the other and the right ugly, now, absolutely. the good, the bad, uh, easy there. But, you know, with that vantage point, like, how would you rate the current time in the UFO community? You know, do you think that this is a healthy time for this conversation? Um, where, where have we been and where are we going? That is one of the best questions I've ever been asked, honestly. Yeah! Uh, I Sorry, will love that in this t- day and time. All of, <laughs> all of these new young people are getting involved. I mean, you know, when I started out, you know, going to started with MUFON, it was it was like bingo night at the old folks home. So I love all the new blood that's coming in. However, mm. Linda Moten Howe and I don't agree on everything, but I never disrespect her. I give her her props and we treat each other with respect. Mm-hmm. Richard Dolan and I, you know, Grant Cameron, uh, I could go on and on and on. But my point is today, um, people like to like really throw shade and actually get kind of mean. And we've just never done that before. So that's my only complaint of today. Yeah, you know, you know Nathan sorry, and I don't agree on everything. We don't. Uh, so, I mean, that it's, it's okay. You don't have to agree on everything. You just have to be able to have conversations. Well, and I think I'm so glad that you brought that right. up, Chase, because, you know, I think it's incredibly important that we try to model civil behavior in, in our communities, right? Because it, we we live in a time, we all know, it's there's a lot of kind of vitriol that is everyone's at the keyboard ready to fire away with their keys and their their you know their missiles there but i think if we model a respectful conversation we actually get further than if than if we just decide to throw jabs at each other and it's so great to hear that that with you and your colleagues these huge names in the field that that's what you guys have always tried to do i mean that's it's just really uh, uplifting to hear that I know of no big rifts. Um, like, uh, can you imagine Stanton Freeman talking to Richard Dolan like some of these people do today? It just didn't happen back then. And I'm not sure if it wasn't because we didn't have all this social media. I mean, we we called each other. We wrote snail mail and, and thankful for email, but we didn't have all this. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it because I love UFO Twitter. I believe UFO Twitter is a force multiplier. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's getting done through UFO Twitter. Hashtag UFO Twitter. And um, I, I just love it. That's where I kind of hang out most of my time. So um, I'm just really grateful for the socials on that end. But for the rest of it, mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad, hey, bad. Ch- 
Hey, Chase, do you, do you think like if, for example, uh, you know, uh, Joe Mergia knew that Stan Friedman ate pineapple on his pizza, do you think that something at, at that level could have caused a rift between those two? Because Joe Mergia gets very upset about pineapple on pizza. Uh-oh, I don't think she heard me or that's your <laughs> audio delay. I love delay. Joe. He's so she funny. Isn't he a riot? Um... <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, sorry, just guys. Little... No, I love Joe. And um, I... There's a little bit of a delay So between when we speak and when uh, Chase hears us. It's almost like she's up in that tower in Kuala Lumpur right now. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway... <laughs> We'll get on with the uh, serious questions. Uh, Nathan, do you want me to start off or do you want to uh, do you want to continue? Oh, I think she I wants to jump mouth. in. Oh, please. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, I also live in the mountains. I'm a mountain guy, so I really appreciate it. Fire that. away, guys. Let's go. <laughs> OK, excellent. All right. Well, let's get going then. So uh, so, Chase, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, you did, you just mentioned that you spend a lot of time on UFO Twitter thinking about the topic and really kind of getting into it. All of us, I think, do the same. We think about this day and night, you know, for someone who's been doing that for so long, do you ever find yourself in times where it's just, you kind of like feel fatigue, like UFO fatigue? And how do you kind of break through from that uh, sort of malaise if, if you ever encounter that? I, I don't. I don't. I've never suffered UFO fatigue. What I do suffer from is drama fatigue. And I separate myself from that every single time. I just don't have time for it. Um, and I kind of work on my own most of it. So, you know, I kind of, that's never had UFO fatigue. I've had people fatigue. <laughs> mm, yes. Okay. Good. I'm with that. I am with that 100. Um, uh, so this, uh, I, I listened to, uh, one of your, uh, one of your interviews, Chase, and it, it blew me away about your sighting in the cornfield. And a lot of people will ask, especially like the MWs of the world will ask, well, how come that, you know, there's no, everybody's got a 4k camera. How come it didn't work? How come people aren't taking photos? And then I learned from listening to your interview with Andy is that you had four cameras, which I'm certain a person that is as, as detail-oriented as yourself had previously checked the batteries on those, and none of them worked. And oh, then yeah. you saw three lights, and then those three lights turned into a triangle. And I was wondering if you can transport yourself, and therefore us, back to that moment when that comes into view. Because three lights are three lights, and a black triangle is a, a little bit of a different matter. You're absolutely right. Um, I was so shocked to see this. And um, I'll explain later about the cameras. But, you know, the witness is so excited because I actually had a date to go out and, um, you know, do an interview and an in, in, uh, investigation a couple days later. But it called and he's like you got to come now so I did and me and another start team investigator went out there and when we saw the lights he's he's literally so excited and the reason for that is guys because he's not crazy I'm seeing it the other investigators seeing it and so I see 
see this light. I sure enough, I look over and this it's coming. And then two more pop in. And it took just like a couple seconds. And all of a sudden I realized this is a freaking triangle. I mean, it's starting to black out stars. I mean, this thing you can see is connected. And I'm just blown away. And of course, I'm reaching down. I'm looking for my trifill meter because the first thing I wanted to do was to see if there was any readings off of that that I could photograph. So I had a camera. I had my trifill down and nothing was working. I was so frustrated, you guys. I guarantee you, I said, dropped an F-bomb and, you know, like, I, I can't believe it's like, eh. I was just so frustrated. It's right there. My whole career. It's right freaking there. <laughs> and so I was I was just really upset. But we believe you nonetheless. So um, uh, we'd like to bring in our, our researcher now, Deb. Uh, Deb is a uh, host of Deb's Data Dojo and, and an amazing interviewer herself. Well, okay. So I would really like to talk about some of the history of ufology for a moment, since you have been around for some time. Um, I have run into some things that I don't think other people are aware of, like Operation Right to Know. Um, the fund for UFO research. I was wondering if you were involved in any of those or just wanted to give some input for people about some of that history, because I think people are missing a lot of stuff that has been done before by not being aware of those groups. Yeah, and um, I'm missing her name right now, um, but she did uh, free to, right to know. They marched right on D see they had nice picket lines it was oh my gosh he passed away a long time like a few years ago and i hate that i can't remember her name right now it'll come to me eventually but but um yeah i wasn't part of those groups at that time because you know i was a mom at, at that kid at that time so a lot of my work was local or interest like part of that stuff um like right there in DC. So what we're doing today isn't all that new. And thank you for bringing that up. And I'm, I'm really horrified that I can't remember her name because she was wonderful. Oh my God. I'll go find it while we're, while we're chatting because I, I, I did research on her PDF that's out there for people. Yeah. yeah um... And she's in, she's from Utah. She was the state director for MUFON for Utah for, And, and I was going to say, man, they're uh, speaking of Utah, they've had the same issues. Uh, what uh, Dr. Taylor talks about are uh, the same uh, situations with batteries that you were dealing with uh, on site there in uh, where, where, where were you with the cornfield? I'm sorry if I don't remember that. Let's see if she hears me. It's, it's a little bit of delay. And that's all I can say because the witness that's um, does not want Good enough. No need to. Oh, Elaine Douglas uh, is the person. Yep, that's it. Oh, sorry, Elaine. Sorry, Elaine. No, that's okay. She was that, an you activist. Know, um, she was also a graduate of MIT. She's graduate of MIT. Like she, she was brilliant. She was ahead of her time. Yeah, I don't think I get a job at the cafeteria at MIT, honestly. But uh, <laughs> but I, I salute anybody who who can graduate from that institution. Uh, Nathan, uh, oh, so Deb has a follow up. I'm sorry. Please go ahead, man. Yeah, I just I wanted to comment that for those who don't know that some of 
those people are still around. Like, just like Chase, they're still on Twitter. They're still, you know, they're using the title Operation Rate to Know. Um, a lot of people who came out of some of those groups are really um, noticeable names. Like, Fufor had a lot of really significant people in it. I'm so proud because I think Maryland was a part of that one. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Nathan? I'll per share the 401k, will you please? I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, I I had a question. Hold on, what was it? Um, yes. So Chase, I really wanted to know this. Like, I know MUFON is still active, and it's got chapters everywhere. Uh, a lot of the folks that we traffic with are really just engaged in this topic from a kind of a, a di digital level, you know, through the keyboard, through hopefully engagement with our representatives, if we're in the United States or, you know, we're just trying to get the word out with people that we know. But if someone wanted to get a, to be a part of MUFON and, and become an investigator or support investigations that happen in their region of the United States or wherever they happen to be, how do you even get started doing that? And that, is that something that you would recommend if people have that kind of an interest? If you're new, because they do have a great program, it's how I started getting my investigation skills, and then I wanted more. So I went to uh, PI training, and then I wanted more because I thought, you know, the gathering these reports is very, very important. But what we need is evidence. So to have evidence that was going to be admissible, I had to know how to do it right. So I went to school, and... Um, was certified, tested and certified to as evidence collection expert. And um, it's just really important. So MUFON's great if you're new or if, you know, you're just not that ambitious to, you know, go to Peru or to go to Bolivia, which I've been like, I don't know how many times, or Australia or Mexico. So um, because it is territorial. So we have people in Texas, they take care of Texas. If someone called me from Texas and I was in MUFON, I wouldn't be able to do that. Being independent, I could pretty much go where I want, boys. Mm. <laughs> nice. Sorry, that was evil laugh. Um, so what you're saying is that people should actually go out and if they're interested and they think they can contribute knowledge in an aspect of the phenomenon, actually get some training and certification rather than kind of like just be an expert on Twitter just because they said so. Because <laughs> that's been working very well for a lot of people, by the way. <laughs> right. right. No, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you know, and I just, I just wanted to raise the bar somehow and you'll be out there and, hearing for disclosure that was led at that time by Steve Bassett, um, the second one after Greer, um, you know, that I realized sitting there, you have six politicians, powerful politicians that are listening. By Wednesday, there's files. So in, if just two days of testimony convinced these people we were onto something and this was not some quack out, you know, phenomena and we're not all wearing tinfoil hats and crystals. Um, I just knew that that was a direction to go. And that's when I decided evidence, evidence collection, if it's going to be admissible, it 
has to pass the, the same standards as a court, court of law. If this will slam you if it's not done correctly. So um, that's just where it all went. And then I became a lobbyist. It, uh, Deb has uh, another question for you. So, uh, you know, Deb, fire away, my friend. Okay, so you said evidence, evidence, and I love evidence. I am a big fan. Um, I would like to know what you think is the most solid evidence that we have. I know, obviously, you're referring to the um, citizen hearing. That would have been like the witness testimony. But besides that, what do you think is really going to help our case in this? Because we need some really good, solid stuff. Exactly. And I'm not, I don't know of any other than the DOD is in possession and some other um, like Honeywell and, you know, some of the other contractors um, that that's where the secrets are kept. It's not in D.C. It's with the contractors. And um, if I had to say, I honestly, it's if you can work a witness's case that they call you, you take their testimony, you do it right, you document it right, it's, you know, sealed, it's, you know, you've got a stamp on it, and you go out and you photograph and you do everything you can. And um, unfortunately, 99% of the time, we're there after the fact. So when we get sent um, evidence, I can tell you, um, I've had a piece of metal that's in the middle of being in analyze now. Um, I had an implant from a veteran. Um, he was a Vietnam veteran and he had this thing in his hand and he was at the VA and he just said, hey doc, is there any way you could just take this out? Doc says, okay. So they take it out. He says, wow, well, this is really a weird metal. I don't understand how it got there because there's no scar that showed it went in. So anyway, he said, can I keep that? And so he puts it, the doctor says, oh, yeah, puts it in like a little pill bottle um, container and gives it to him. Well, I end up getting a call and audition called me after she received it about three hours later and says, I'm sending it back to you and don't send me anything else. Because when you put that implant down <laughs> and you put a magnet near it, it's shot right to the magnet. It's metal. I'm not surprised. The other end, little fibers coming out, like little wires. True story. Wow. That's that's amazing. And the so once you get the analysis on that, you'll kind of know if it's uh if that metal uh is something that's anomalous or is is of um uh something that that we wouldn't have couldn't have created on earth particularly at at the time when uh, when he he saw it in him, does he know when when he when he noticed it in his hand? Does he know what year that was? There's a little bit of a delay, but she's no. He just said um, all of a sudden that he said I always had an interest in aliens and UFOs, but but he um, he doesn't remember exactly when. You know, he realized it was there, but it had been decades. Like he was a Vietnam veteran, and this was um, 2019. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, I have a question, but I don't, I, I don't want to take. I think this might be Nathan's spot, so I, I don't want to. Well, yeah, let me jump in real quick. Uh, we we're all familiar with the book that came out recently, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. 
and uh, that book received some real mixed reaction uh, from the community. Uh, some folks were incredibly excited to see it because, of course, Jim Lukaski stepped out from the shadows and put his name on the book, and that lended it a lot of credibility. Others, I think, looked at some of the stories and anecdotes from from the time uh, during OSAP and you know, really just had a hard time dealing with some of the strangeness that was recounted uh, during the, the, the time at Skinwalker Ranch and the other investigations that OSAP was doing. It was revealed in that book as well that, that MUFON has a, a database, you know, database of information, and that, and that uh, OSAP was kind of like working with MUFON, had some kind of contractual relationship with MUFON to use or, or access or uh, leverage in some way that database of information. Are you familiar with that? And, and what was your take on the book? Um, are you are you glad to see it that it come out? Like, what what's your reaction to that entire uh, story? Again, folks, there's a little bit of a delay. Chase is frozen at the moment. I'm sure in real life she's actually not frozen, but on screen she's frozen. Um, so hopefully she's going to come back. If not, Chase, if you can hear us. You may want to uh, leave the studio and then just come back and we'll try to reset that way, ma'am. But, yeah, that's an interesting point there. Uh, As you say, uh, Nathan, um, you know, Lukatsky coming out, which actually, ironically, um, somehow harvested credibility away from Lou because people said Lukatsky is the guy, Lou's nothing. He had no budget. He wasn't real. He was not legitimate. It was Lukatsky all along, and the $22 million was all his. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, okay, well, then all these people that said they went to the Pentagon and interviewed with him, they're lying. So. Yeah. It, uh, you know, like, I think what's frustrating, I'm sure what's frustrating for Lukatsky and, and George Knapp and Colm Kelleher on that is that, you know, they really thought that that would help kind of clear up the picture. And it, sure. for many people, actually made it more confusing. And, you know, I think there are probably good reasons for some of that confusion, some that are easier to articulate than others for certain you know, reasons that can't really be stated at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, and, and, you know, as I as, as I know that the government works in some ways that aren't necessarily as, uh, <laughs> you know, clean lined as people might might imagine it to be. You know, so no, uh, it's not that surprising. In other words, that it may have been a yeah. little bit murky. And if somebody's agenda, if someone, I'm sorry, Deb, I didn't mean to if, if someone's agenda was to discredit Lou, then this was the opportunity they were looking for. And you saw them jump all over that uh, as soon as it, as soon as that came out uh, and starting asserting what budgets are. And they don't even know how those budgets are applied and, and what, how they might be parsed out and whether or not perhaps Lou's program was budgeted under, under uh, OSAP. So there's a lot of questions. We didn't even get to that with Lou, but uh, hell, we can freaking call him now <laughs> and ask him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess my perspective on it is George Knapp, who was one of the authors of that book, really wants people to recognize the other part of the phenomenon that goes beyond the UFOs. And he's really encouraging people to speak on that. And that includes the hitchhiker effect and some of the other paranormal experiences. And he is discouraged that people aren't focusing on that. And the military wasn't focused on that because they have a different mission. Um, right. So he, it's not national security. 
Right. Exactly. So like he he's, I think, the main person going out. Come on, guys, pay attention to this. And and it kind of conflicts with the other narrative that's going on, unfortunately, because the other narrative is we need to focus on national security. We need to make sure our our air is safe for pilots, you know, and so on and so well, forth. Well, can I say one thing? When you have Ryan Graves out there that's attending aviation conferences and asserting exactly what you said, don't you think that's going to get the ear of lawmakers and the DOD uh, as much as anything going on at Skinwalker? Yeah, definitely. And if you guys are not aware of those watching, um, he is a part of NARCAP's efforts also. NARCAP has been working on the FAA part of this for a long time okay. with Ted Rowe. And um, Ryan Graves has been working with that group as well as the, I think it's AIAA is what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's an, I believe it's an aviation safety uh, organization. I have to look them up again, but yes. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there is a lot of concern about the safety, um, the comment about the near misses. You know, there's also been comments that have been pushed under the rug about deaths that have happened mm -hmm. you know i can't i hope gary nolan will talk to us a little bit more about that in the future um because i think people need to be paying attention to some of the safety concerns as well but yeah the next i mean to us deb to you myself and nathan you could sell any part of this phenomenon and we're going to be interested to want to investigate it right whether we were talking about uh paranormal at it out there at skinwalker or or ghosts or or actually ufos unidentified aerial uh phenomenon but for a lawmaker you 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 can't sell to them that what's going on at this ranch right now is worthy of dollar and cents even if to you myself and nathan this is important because this is connected but to a lawmaker who, who then has uh, constituents that they have to argue to of why they're spending those dollars. It's a very difficult sell. So I think I think it is as it should be, at least in their how they have they're kind of forced to view the world. And I'm not trying to play Pollyanna with Congress by any means. There's, you know, as as dirty sometimes as they come. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. It's uh it's really the conundrum that the topic presents it's that you know you can think of the standard on-ramp to getting it into inserting this into the larger public discourse and that's the you know it's a threat it's a nuts and bolts thing uh it's easy for the public to generally get their mind around the fact that they might be uh you know extraterrestrials from another planet you know all of those things are like the if you're if you're if you're looking at that uh you know, DJ, you're at the Italian restaurant to get the kids menu with the numbers and you got to draw the lines to connect the numbers to, <laughs> to create the the pasta or whatever. <laughs> they're the they're I the love it. <laughs> you're only going to get that here, folks. I don't Absolutely. care what show you go no to. Other show. You come to calling all beings for takes just like that. Please, what we do. And it's a delicious, so. uh, delicious pasta, pasta dish. But those those are the early numbers. Those are the low numbers on that. Connect the dots. Right. So one, two, three, four, five. That's what we're talking about here. George Knapp, Colm Kelleher, Lukatsky, the others, they're way down the line. They're, and they're, what they're saying is, look, guys, we, we got to have this conversation, too. The experiencers are also further down the line. We got to have this conversation, too. 
you know, the abductee people, the, you know, the people, the hybrid conversation, all of that is a part of this topic. It's just much further down the line, the consciousness folks. And so, you know, you really kind of, we want it to be a very linear progression kind of process where it feels like, yeah, I'm with you. I can go to that next number and I'm, uh, you know, drawing this, but that what, when you have folks who understand aspects of it, that, that go further than that, it's like you can see them. They're waiting in the wings. Like I, I can't, I can't wait any longer. I'm antsy. Yes. We're gonna do this. We're gonna throw it out there, and I want you to take this seriously. And so that I think that that's where you know you saw that happen. The tension in the community is you you get skinwalkers at the Pentagon with these accounts that some people go, this is straight up, you know, out of a fantasy novel or something. Uh, <clears throat> it's just absolutely bonkers, and they they it's the snicker factor, which I find ironic because you know, in a topic that generally evokes Snickers, uh, you know, across the board, who is one side of the camp to say that the other side is, you know, more laughable. I mean, it's like, come on, we're talking about, you know, aliens and whatnot. And just because you you bring up a a werewolf type creature or something like now I can't take you seriously. I think that's kind of unfair. Uh, But, but it's all, like you said, it's all part of this conversation and it's, it's something that I think we have to be, able to deal with and have a conversation about in a mature way. Uh, you know, I yeah, don't know I if the public's ready of... for that, but hopefully we will be soon. Yeah. It was, it's a lot of fun to just um, approach all of these topics, all of these hypotheses, all of the evidence and just kind of be open-minded. I can't imagine what it would be like to put myself in a little box where I can't talk about a different part of this and I'm refused to hear someone else out. And then not get to learn something. And then ultimately, you know, can anyone really say they have all the answers? Not really. No. So no, not definitely not. <laughs> no, like not even not really, like definitely not. Nobody has all the answers. Right. I so someone's bound to be upset at the end if they're keeping themselves in a little box. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, we're a we're in a position, our reality is that uh you, myself, Stephanie. Kevin, we're, you know, all of our cab network, we're able to take in everything and, and draw something from it. We have that. What's the word I'm looking for, Nathan? We're open to that. We can be open to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm not more artful in describing this. If you're a congressional member, you can't necessarily be open to that in public yet. Right. Yet. We have the luxury of exploring these topics. You You know, we're not held by, like like you said, the constraints of our position and the expectations that go along with it, the political uh, correctness of it all, the optics, you know, of of this is okay to talk about or this isn't okay to talk about. You know, we have none of those pressures or constraints, which is great. But I do wonder, you know, what what is it just to throw it out to both of you guys? What is it in your minds that you think is going to make the room and space for that conversation to, to kind of broaden from the easily acceptable, like, Oh, it's a technology, you know, it's to, to the weirder things, you know, to things like the, the poltergeist and uh, you know, the consciousness connection. What are the, what are the kinds of detailed bits that have to enter into political conversation that kind of open up those other doors? Do you guys have thoughts on that? Well, clearly time is the biggest, the biggest one mm, or yeah. something that Deb and I have talked about at length in our private conversations and on air a few times is an irrefutable event that, mm-hmm. that, that people can't deny. 
where camera news cameras are pointed right at it. They're showing it and and nobody can say, you know, and, and even still, Nathan, you've said people are still going to say it's a government black project and yeah. they have an agenda here. So there is still there's always going to be that crowd. But uh, but it, some time is the biggest factor. And, you know, based on the space the other night, people screaming, uh, they want it now. And I think we realize that we look at our lives as a very long period of time. And, geez, it's just our lives are so short that we may not be alive when when um, any of this is accepted as public fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ahead, I Deb. think of it is like <clears throat> for this to be something that everyone's just comfortable talking about at a dinner table like they would whales or polar bears or any other thing that is natural because I consider it to be natural. Um, it is going to take time, like DJ said, because we're just going to have to kind of get used to it once it's clearly out there, right? But I've also said that I'm not even sure a video of a big event would be enough because people will say that's CG or something. We still. just said that. <laughs> were you, yeah, were but you, you said, you you said <laughs> no, no, you said uh, like a black ops. I mean, so, but I, but this is what I do think will work. This is something I suppose, like I, I throw out there, if these uh, others, as some people like to call them, make the decision themselves to interact with us in a physical way that's not elusive, um, and it's, I hate to say this, but if they pretty much put themselves in a position like they're in a zoo, it's a terrible thing, but it would protect them then people might like fully accept and just get used to it and like because you go to a zoo you don't really like stand around gawking like you've never seen something before you know you just kind of get used to it but i don't know that it, like an intelligent species would be willing to do that for us you know for you're right i mean you know what what greater i i shouldn't say what greater evidence do we need because we need greater but you just heard chase klutsky say that uh, all four of her cameras batteries were dead and her other piece of equipment was not functional. Then you heard Travis Taylor say the Dr. Taylor is that, is that his right name? Dr. Taylor said mm -hmm. they had a backhoe out. They decided, you know what? We're going to go ahead. We're going to dig in the spot. And he said they replaced three batteries on that backhoe and it wouldn't run. Right. I mean, those are, that's the same. That's the phenomenon doing the same thing. Right, right Deb? Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know, Chase just messaged me. She said that she has a storm that she's dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why the delay. I apologize. I had to kind of respond to that. Yeah, no Tell worries. Tell her one love. Rider, cue up riders on the storm, please, Nathan. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, got you covered. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point, DJ, and I think that, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this in the last few days as well. You know, what is the magic concoction of witnesses experts people you know events stories evidence that is going to satisfy you know the 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 x number of people which is like the tipping point number of people in our society to where it becomes you know accepted fact right because you know i find it really interesting the community's reaction to some of the folks that are that are in the public eye trying to lend their time and energy and money to figuring this out. And, and none of them seem to be good, good enough. You know, it's like, <laughs> Oh, you've got five PhDs. I'm sorry, but 
that's not good enough uh, because you wrote a sci-fi novel. <laughs> oh, you've, you know, you know, you're a wealthy guy who's made a lot of money in real estate and you're spending this money of your own free will just to study this. I, you must have a hidden agenda, you know? Oh, you're an ex DOD employee who uh, wants to blow the whistle on this whole thing. And, and, you know, nope, sorry. Like that's, I mean, it's literally like, what, the, what do we need here? You know, like what, what is the right combination to satisfy? And the answer is there isn't, you know, well, there's I, never well Nathan, be. there's that. I'm sorry, Nathan, there's the one TV show. Can you please remind me? Is it, is it uh, the TV show where there were a bunch of different ships hovering over major cities and there's a female lead of the alien I, 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 of the extraterrestrials? I can't remember what that TV show was. I have to go back and look at it. And, and I enjoyed that one. Mm. It's going to take something like that. That would be the right. thing yeah, you where people can look up and go open the door and they're like right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I liked the one where the aliens live with us, by the way. I cannot remember what that one was called either. They just hang out with us. They're part of the police mm -hmm. force, so on and so forth. Yeah, what was that one? Alien Nation or something. Yes, Alien Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah B yeah. was the yeah. other one. And uh, Hold oh, what, Chase what, is back. Chase got her back. Klutzky! Can I get an amen? Ha! I don't know if she can. Amen. There we go. <laughs> All right, the original. It's like the original. <laughs> it's all good, girlfriend. We've been there. We've all had some spotty Wi-Fi, and you know what? I'd rather have a cabin in the mountains with no Wi-Fi than no cabin at all. That's all I got to say. Actually, I rented one in North Carolina, and I went and saw my brother Nathan. I was like, "What's up, man? I got a cabin up here in North Carolina." So anyway, um, Chase, I want to get to this question. Uh, notice I said that like I was from Louisiana, and I'm not. I, that was New the York. great question. I was so frustrated when it <laughs> dropped because I love that question. Yeah, let, let's get your answer okay, on let's that. Go back. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, ma'am. Please. Um, actually, To the Stars Academy never worked with MUFON. Um, um, I was at a meeting uh, with Jan Harzan. It was myself and Ken St. John, um, who was a COO. Um, I was director of investigations at the time, which was number two in the organization. And we were meeting with Steve Justice, um, Lou Elizondo. Um, who else was there? Tom DeLong kind of walked by, but he wasn't part of the meeting meeting. But um, and Jan laid out why MUFON was would be such an asset for them. And Steve Justice, after about 10 minutes, put his hand up and he said, stop right there. Jan, I don't want to waste your time. We will never work for MUFON or with MUFON because you guys are part of the problem. And he pulled up one of the conferences we had with Corey Good and all these other people that they didn't see as legit. Now, I'm not saying I didn't, but they literally looked right at Jan and said, we will never, ever work with MUFON. Interesting. And then Chase, so what? Um, that's that's really good detail on the TTSA component there. But in the in the Skinwalkers at the Pentagon book, it was mentioned that that there were several like DIA databases that one uh, like one of which and I'm really muddying the facts here. Deb, you make it get this better than I will. But essentially, that OSAP was using some data points from MUFON. And there was some concern in the community that whether that was 
okay. Like people who had submitted a MUFON report may not have known that OSAP was using that data and it was making its way to this DIA database. Did we, what, can you clear that up for us? Like what, what's, what, what's your take on that? There was a time when Robert Bigelow went to MUFON um, and started a star team and that was a rapid response group. Um, and it failed miserably. I mean, it was horrible. He cut ties with MUFON. And um, and I actually came in a year later, and, and I was selected as star team manager and developed an entire program, all the protocols, rules, how to deploy, what do you bring, um, you know, but it was volunteer. Because at that time, the star team investigators were paid. Well, apparently the money wasn't going where it was supposed to go. So, you know, and the information MUFON was providing wasn't helpful they were they thought they were going to get like these really great evidence cases and that's not what happened so um that's and that's the same time when bigelow was involved with skinwalker and george knapp and you know that whole little i love that little group i used to you know uh, be on the radio with above top secret so you know all the the owners of these websites and everything it was just really a great time i mean that's old school big time but that's the only time MUFON had anything to do with the government, so to speak, because now we know that uh, Bigelow was contracted by DOD. So this was government work. Um, and a lot of MUFON people didn't like it. They didn't want the group. They did not want government taking their. It's still a couple lightning bolts that are popping off around um, Chase's cabin, but guess what? Chase has still got a cabin, and that's all that matters. Um, Chase, I want to take you back to... And I got back in. I didn't want to lose you guys. No, I pr I really appreciate you guys uh, that, that you did that. Uh, we were making convo as, as we're wont to do, but uh, we'd rather have you than, than just us talking because, hell, we can just talk on signal. Um Anyway, um, so getting back to the cornfield, we're going to take you back to the cornfield for some corn cake like my wife has from Brazil or cornbread. But, um, you know, you are we, we know a limited amount of people. We know a few, but we know a limited amount of people who have actually viewed a, a being at close range. And. Before I get to how you process that today, again, I'd like you to take us back to that moment. And the reason I ask you is because the three people be before you have have not seen a being. Uh, you know, it, it's such a unique thing. Um, a lot of people, a couple of experiencers have told me recently, and all all four of us on this panel here have talked to a number of experiencers, thank God. And um, people say that they don't see, you know, the lower body, the feet, you know, those areas. I'm curious if you could describe that being before you started running for your life, which I'm sure all of us would have done uh, from except Deb, actually. So maybe Nathan and I would run. Well, uh, Deb probably would run toward it. But yes, yes can, I you would. can you just <laughs> can you describe it from the head down, please? Yeah, no well, first charge. of all, I'd just like to say that no, we had no 
we had absolutely no control over running. I didn't run away from a being. We ran straight to it. And oh. we were running, running, running. I'm watching a light do this. And then all of a sudden the witness stops and I hit him like a brick wall. And right there, like six feet away is this little being. So we didn't run away from anything. Oh, okay. Eye to eye looking at that and how, like there wasn't even, there wasn't even a twitch. I mean, you go, you know, he's a big old country boy with this big old halogen flashlight that went from dark, like pitch dark. And he swung his hand over and, you know, probably now four feet away, this being's got this halogen light in his face. Not a movement, nothing. It was stoic as crap. And um, and I'll describe him. I mean, he was little. I mean, probably three feet, maybe three and a half, but I'd say more about three. Um, he had the skinniest legs. I was really worried because I just remembered that they were so twig-like. Um, I don't remember, that, you know, there's no um, clothing or anything like that. All I really remember is his eyes. Like he was just, and the, and the freaking little legs. I mean, that makes no sense, but I was really worried about him because they wouldn't have held its little body up. I re we realized later as we kind of recreated some things that it's how the light hit him. So his legs were shadowed mostly. So, um, but it just, it just stood there and it was, it was one second that changed my life because honestly that light hit and it was one, 1002. And then for no reason we're running again. It was the craziest thing. And, um, and of course this running started with a physical um, pounding in your body, and it was complete terror. Not fight or flight. It's not, you know, just fear. It is every cell in your body is terrified. And I just remember turning and running for no reason. I'm not a runner, guys. Let me tell you, that witness had a big old shotgun in the back of his truck. And, of course, here I am, you know, just... Just this girl going out there like, oh, yeah, I'll go in a cornfield with you. I don't even know who you are with the big old shotgun. Like, who does that? So anyway, this guy's not a runner either. This, this is an area that you don't dial 911. I mean, he. we have a problem with coyotes around here just in case. This is not a man who runs. I'm not an investigator who runs. We didn't run away from anything. We ran straight to it. And um, that's uh, something that I'll just never forget. Um, I do would like to say one other thing, though, is I don't know when we got into the door left or that terror left. But by the time we got to his garage, we're all piling out like, what the beep? It's going like what just happened? Why did we run? I mean, you know, I'm forensics. I'm thinking I I saw a being right there. It wasn't a statue or anything. I saw his eyes. I mean, they're living eyes. And I'm like, there's footprints. I could get trace evidence. All this kind of stuff's going through my mind. So we weren't afraid of anything. I'm telling you guys, whatever was going on in that cornfield that night, we were not supposed to be there. I just, I just want to say I've heard the same whispers at the gym. Oh, he, you know, he's got really skinny legs. He probably doesn't do squats. And I want to say on behalf of the being that you saw, I do do squats. Okay. And, and so, you know, please, you guys at the gym and girls, stop making fun of my skinny legs. Anyway, uh, Chase, so, um, but can you describe... <laughs> 
This, this, you know, this is what you get on Calling All Beings. You're going to get a mixed bag. You're going to get some intellectualism, and you get some really ridiculous comments. And then we're going to visualize you standing around a fire like Rocky I... in Philadelphia with, with Jacques Vallée and the crew drinking, <laughs> you know, Mad Dog 2020. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Chase, so the eyes, um, you know, we've all uh, we, we've seen various uh, depictions of beings with these very large eyes. Can you describe if you if I were to give you from the chin to the top of the head, what can you recall from that? Chin to the top of the head. And eyes. I mean, they were really littler and more human. And um, I don't remember a mouth, I, you know, just a, a little tiny nose. And the head was very, very bulbous, um, skinny little neck. And, uh, but the, it, it wasn't that typical, which it, it should be because then, you know, my story's like everyone else's, but right, it's different. It's like these eyes were not exactly the same. Interesting. And we have, we have seen, we have seen depictions of creatures that don't have the big eyes also that have more human, uh, uh, what we would associate as human eyes. Um, do, do, do you have a, a, a working hypothesis on whether or not that was some sort of a height? Did that make you think of a hybrid creature is, is part a of this question and part B is, do you still see this being in your, in your dreams or in your mind? So first part is, is do you think hybrid? And second part is, do you still see it? Right. I did not see hybrid. Um, I never thought hybrid. Um, I will tell you that um, I, my mind has gone a million miles an hour. My husband retired as a Navy submarine commander. I mean, like he was a golden boy in the Navy. And here I am, you know, running around and my story's going public. And, you know, I just, I, I even went as far down a rabbit hole to think that, did the government try to scare me? So I wouldn't go back out in the field because my husband's a golden boy. Like, I, I mean, it's ridiculous to say that, but that's how far I was anything. I would listen. People were contacting me. I think this is what happened. And, it, you know, I just listened to it all. So um, I don't think hybrid. I know it was real. Uh, I know what I mm -hmm. saw. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe any further mm -hmm. than that. The second part of your question is... Um, I don't have, I've never had dreams of it. Um, every once in a while when I'm driving kind of late at night and I start thinking about it, like it's just kind of playing over and over in my head and you, uh, it's almost like that pain comes back again. It doesn't, but you, I kind of feel it. And I'm like, I pull off the road. I'm walking outside, getting fresh air, going blah, 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 go happy place, go to my happy place. <laughs> Cause I never want to feel that again. So um, that's about you know, and other than just always knowing that one second changed my life. That's crazy, isn't it, guys? Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll come back to it, but I, I got to get my colleague in here because I know she's got something good. Well, I keep I keep thinking about, you know, what what could be going on. Um, and it seems like MUFON has uh, even supported books about it being extraterrestrial. Um, they've actually had publications under their name about that. And, of course, they have support for people who have been abducted and so on and so forth. So just from your lengthy experience with MUFON and all of your work, 
do, what what do you think is going on? What do you think is the most likely explanation for these visitations? Do you think extraterrestrial? Do you think ultra terrestrial? What do you think? Interdimensional? What do you think is going on? I know, I know, Deb, right? That's the quest million dollar question. And um, there's MUFONs all over the place. I mean, we have some investigators that I started out nuts and bolts. I didn't even want to hear about abductions. And, you know, back in the 90s, right? 95, 96, 97, 98. I was just like nuts and bolts. That's all I cared about. And then and I really kind of focused on that for the longest part of my career. But um, then you start listening is going on then when you get out there not every ufo investigation i did was ufo some of it was paranormal i swear guys some of it was totally paranormal and then i'm in peru i'm in bolivia we hear stories all the time of these you know kind of portals that open up and things come out of them and then they go back and what they're doing here. We don't know. Um, I was asked a question not too long ago. Like is, are these from space? And if you had to pick a movie to describe what you were, what you believe it is, is that how it's close, close encounters of a third kind? I said, no, it's stranger things. Think stranger things. I believe yeah! a little bit of everything. Why does it have? Yeah, why does it have to be just one? We can have beings from other planets. They can be angels and demons. We could have, you know, um, literally all these parallel universes, which I believe is more possible and um, provable than the other. So that's my personal take with all the investigations I've done. Um, you know, I've been on Bigfoot hunts. I've been on, you know, UFO, you know, thousands, honestly. Um, paranormal investigations. Um, if you don't know what it is, I'll go I'll go look, right? I'll look. I've been in the swamps of, you know, uh, down in Pearl River looking for the Honey Island swamp monster, you know, up, up to here in swamp water. Uh, you know, it's just, it's about being active and getting out there. So for me, honestly... Think stranger things. And I feel vindicated a little bit, um, even though they haven't come right out and said it flat. Lou Elizondo, think stranger things. Yeah, I, I do associate Nathan with the Demogorgon now that you mentioned that. Um, and I don't know why. I don't really have a reason for it. Uh, but <laughs> but what I was going to say to you is, 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 is how you've evolved, I think, is how a lot of us uh, should evolve as, as we come into the space. Uh, I'm a retired military aviator. And that's how I spent my career. It's associated with what I do today. And I came in as a nuts and bolts nice. and now, yeah. And now I'm, 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 you know, all into every aspect of this, because if you were to, if I were to just limit myself to talking about nuts and bolts, it'd be like, so boring. Like I, there's so many more things to, to hypothesize about. Yeah. And that's why you go and you, you, you engage with people who, who have a greater sense of, of what we could be looking at to inform me on and open, expand my aperture, my mind on what it might be. So anyway, uh, with that, uh, Nate, I'm, I'm sorry, Deb, and, do you have something as well? My dear? Eyes. Yeah. So, ma'am, go ahead. Go ahead, ma'am. 
Oh, I don't. Yeah, Chase, go ahead and finish what you were saying. Yes, I'll... please. Yeah, Chase, please. Oh, okay. Um, when you're looking into the eyes of some of these people that have contact or have been terrified or, you know, they're taken out, they don't know what to, who, who do they go to? And they call us. So number one, oh, yeah. that's why we have to be gold standard. We have to be Hell better yeah. than just a pen and pencil. But when you look at the eyes and you see the trauma and, you know, they have no reason to make this up. Why would they make this up? It's crazy. And you exactly. go back all the way to Betty and Barney Hill, you know, in the 60s, early 60s, they were a biracial couple. They were, they wanted no attention whatsoever, but it's, um, you can't ignore that it's bigger than nuts and bolts. So you, if you're open-minded or if you're really looking for the answers, you have to go where the evidence takes you. You can't go where you're, you're, you know, it's nuts and bolts and that's all it is. You know, then you're going to be left behind. And a lot of people have been left way, way behind. And um, yeah, for me, we have to listen to our witnesses. And if you believe that you better be backing up this, you know, this phenomenon as well. I'm very blessed that uh, witnesses do call and talk to each one of us. And I'm very blessed for each one. I met in Florabama with two experiencers on Friday in, uh, from Alabama, and I was perfectly willing to drive two plus hours to do that. Debs. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, and this is not as funny now, but I was just going to say, if you, next time you go uh, checking out some triangles or little beings, please let me know. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> okay. kind of local. No, I, I have this. Okay, so I have this weird affinity towards this description of the little people. Um, I really do have like an affection and like, I don't know what that's about, but I'm like, I really want to meet them. <laughs> Other people are terrified and horrified by I that. I can tell you that. Um, well, no, uh, you know, and obviously I've spent my life, basically adult life, you know, looking for an alien or craft or evidence. And I can tell you that there was one part of me and I, I can't, I usually can't get through describing this without choking up. So excuse me for this. But after talking to so many abductees and contactees, they tell me that a lot of times these beings express what they're feeling on you. Can you imagine if that's what that little being was feeling? It, it was unlike anything. And I just, and I left him and he needed help. I mean, I just, there's, it's not a good, it's not a good situation. I know people are like, you're so lucky you saw that. I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I, I would love to not see it again. I really would. Because if that's it, like, what if I just held out my hand or, but we were not in control. And I know that, but it's the mama, the grandma, the, you know, they call me Mims, not grandma, but like, it, it's my heart that was just like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I realized, is that possible? Is that a possibility? And then I'm just gutted absolutely gutted thinking about it so i just i just don't i i just want to say in your defense that may not have been one of those experiences where they shaped your feeling based on something they were trying to achieve it may just have been a reaction to something that we don't have a box to put it in 
some people see a craft or, or they see right. a being and they don't, we, we're looking for a box and there's no damn box. Where's the box? Don't have one. That's Nathan. <laughs> What's in yeah, the box? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Chase, uh, I was listening to an interview with Grant Cameron today and we've had him on the show and really enjoyed speaking with him. And, you know, he mentioned that, uh, you know, he really, not, he, he's kind of surprised that we're, getting the momentum that we're getting now with disclosure that it's, you know, in his words, it's kind of, it's happening, you know, it's uh, the cats out of the box, toothpaste out of the tube, whatever metaphor you want to use, it's really happening. And, and I think, you know, your comment just then about the, the people that you've interacted with on this journey and some of the people that we've interacted with, you know, there's a lot at stake in this subject. You know, there's a lot of emotion. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, kind of just, raw feeling and stress and people who need real answers, you know, what does your gut tell you, you know, are we going to get some real answers? Uh, you know, are some of these people going to find the answers that they're seeking or are we going to be left with just a, a, a bag of brand new questions to have to deal with? I think, I, I think we have momentum. I, I agree with Grant, like we're on it and we're not going to give up. So this is why, I love the UFO Twitter. We're putting out senators' phone numbers, like contact your representatives, tell them, you know, and, and don't go and say, what's going on? Like, I want I want disclosure. I want, you know, transparency on UFOs. <laughs> what you want to do is what I do. Like, so you get to know who these guys are, right? You get to know. So you have somebody like uh, Kentucky Rand Paul. He's all about money. He's all about fiscal responsibility. So I call his office. I'm just like, where did that money come from? Because I did a FOIA and I don't see anything in the budget for that UFO office. Oh, guess whose attention is got now? So if you know these guys and um, or, or pay attention, this is how we get them involved. And there is so many of them that have had these briefs. They're just not going to talk about it. Some can't handle it. Some don't want to. They just want to go to Target and go home and feed their kids and spend time <laughs> with their husband. Or definitely on momentum. Definitely on momentum. But I will say one thing. This UFO group at the Pentagon, did you see the hearings? These guys were as clueless as a bag of bricks on anything UFO. Why they have not called in Lou Elizondo or Chris Mellon, brief me. Former military, how... How many times do you see a change of command where they don't share information and kind of the down low and what's going on? It, it's just ridiculous. These guys are these guys are clueless. They're not going to do anything for us, and we have to push for better. And it's on. It, it's on. It's by is, design. Right now, the push it's, is. I was going to say it's by design. There's nothing different than it's been yeah. for the last seventy five so, years. <laughs> they could hire us. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Right, exactly. But what we're pushing for now is because um, I can tell you right now, these people don't want to hear about Roswell. They don't want to hear about aliens. They don't give two craps about, you know, what happened in Alabama with, you know, Calvin. You know, what they care about is national security today. That's all they're doing right now. So we're pushing this. So what I what we're pushing now, Lou Elizondo needs to brief Congress. That and Chris Mellon, Lou and Chris need 
happy to be sitting in those chairs, talking to Congress, not those two figureheads, you know, like, give me a break because they will blow them away. And if they get a chance to testify, it's done, guys. It's it's done. I actually feel like it's done anyway. So, you know, never in my life did I think I'd ever see the United States government and military admit there are things in our skies that they can't identify. I about fell off my couch. I'm just like, whoo, oh my God. Like, I'm not the crazy woman down the block right now. I'm the coolest chick on the block right now. Like, it was great. You know what, Chase? If if, if they do this, it would be in closed session because they don't want the American public to confront what Lewis and Christopher would say. That's not something that they want. Uh, that's not something they've wanted for the last 75 years is a credible witness to come up there and say, X, Y, Z, and and especially the the level of orator that these two gentlemen are is not something that they want because then the American public would would uh, writ large have to uh, would have to confront this. And we've been talking about lately. We've we've had a lay person come on our show, uh, a very gregarious uh, lady. I'm not going to name her, but somebody. Uh, let's just say somebody we've had on before that was a, a, a an amazing guest. And when we asked her to confront uh, the existence of UAPs, that 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 was very angering to her. And this is a person uh, that's also worked in the White House. This is a person who of uh, uh, sound character, but not somebody who wanted to confront something that um, uh, that that we know exists and and bears uh, consideration by all Americans. Uh oh, Chase is frozen, but she's coming. She's listening people to me. Because you have a security clearance. Oh, am I back? Yes, ma'am, you're back. Can you re can you restart that? Okay, so with military members, so as a military member, um, they have also have um, security clearances that they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose their, you know, retirement or, you know, even some of the things that they have, which is like a decent job that they're going to be promoted to chief or senior chief um, before, you know, and then I'm going to come out and talk about a UFO I saw. So Not that's happening. one of the problems that we have with, and yeah, other professionals. So now I don't think they can put it back in the box. I don't think that this is going to go away. The momentum is coming because now the military is allowed to talk about what they're seeing. We hear the big stuff about um, Nimitz, Gimbal, all of it. There are plenty of reports coming in right now from not only aviators, but Army, Marines. You know, I have a son who's uh, active duty Marine. I have a grandson son who's active duty marine and i ask him all the time <laughs> uh i have to pass it over to money nathan but yeah I, I agree with you chase i've never i would never have talked about this during my flying career and today i don't talk my boss does not know i talk about this hi right. boss i'm just kidding go ahead <laughs> yeah well uh, right. let's do this i'm gonna pass it to to deb and then uh and then and then i think we'll they take a you around so That well, and and they call you money, Nathan. I like it. 
I like it. Well, a lot. to Deb, I just want to say when you talk about little people, Deb, um, you know, Nathan and I are five eight. I feel like James Iandoli could view Nathan and I as little people when he meets <laughs> us. And I worry about that. So I'm hoping there's no you know what wow. I'm saying? I, yeah. It's no true. hitchhiker effect here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm shorter than that. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say. But <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> hey, <Deb. laughs> so yeah i was i was going to address you know we talk a lot about military witnesses um and i was just telling um dj and nathan you know earlier that um i was reading a ufo book while i was gone and i've been reading indigenous stories um international indigenous stories um and i was reading native american then native australian and now i'm reading uh, well, I've just finished Artie Six Killers Sky People. So I really kind of want to emphasize with people that the demographics goes well beyond um, this country and that the, the patterns are consistent internationally. So I just you're nodding. So you're probably answering the question already. I just, you know, wanted you know to put give you a chance to put your input in on that as well, because I have had people say, oh, this is just an American thing or something. No, it's not at all. So. And Deb, you are so you are so right. Like on all of it, Indigenous people have an advantage that we don't, and a lot of that is the culture of accepting what is real and just dealing with it. So I'm in Peru, and, and I'm doing interviews and um, uh, on a case that they had. I'm standing with the mayor of Pisco. On a, on a mound, uh, actually a buried uh, step pyramid. And he's telling me about this dry lake bed. And what I didn't understand, like, you want me to go take samples? He goes, Chase, no. They, well, they call me Chelsea because Chase doesn't translate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, he's telling me about this UFO that came down and just sucked up all the water out of this lake. It, right? I'll be a... I'll I'll be at Chelsea for a day. <laughs> so he is not only their crops, but their animals. And I'm like, well, do you want me to go take samples or something? And he's like, no, I want you to tell them to bring my water back. And it's nothing to ask people about, you know, UFO encounters. Have you seen anything? They're just like, We're losing Chase here. I, I was asked that like five times. And, and We're losing I, Chase. Chase. Back? Yeah, I think you're back, my dear. Yes, ma'am. Chase. Okay. You're back. Yes, ma'am. So Go I've ahead. never seen poverty like this. I mean, I awesome. Never seen poverty like this. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if I went through one more village, my heart was going to, I, my heart couldn't take it. Honestly, I'm done. Like, I'm just, I, I can't. And we get off our little truck that we had. And this little village boy comes up and he has these rosy little cheeks. Cutest little thing ever. Oh my God. I just wanted to pick him up and give him kisses and squeak. He's got dirty little feet. Um, He's got the biggest smile. I looked at his eyes 
And Chase is, uh, we're, we're going to be lucky if we get these last couple and questions in. Go ahead. Happy community. They take care of each other. They share food. They share everything. All of a sudden, I realize seeing this little boy's eyes, it's like, who am I? arrogant. Oh my God. I have friends that need Xanax because they can't get to their yacht by five o'clock. It's like, these people are happy. They're happy in their villages. They are, they don't need what we have. They don't need a cell phone. Took a picture of that little boy. He he was freaking out, happy. Like that, that's me. Like he's never seen anything like that before. And then I remember a Bible pa passage um, that I heard as a kid. If you turn off our electricity, in three days, we're killing people. You turn off their electricity, just another day in the woods, just another day in the tropics, they're still trading machetes for goats. And so I really think that, you know, just we think we're all, all that in a bag of chips, but I don't know, guys. No, you're, you're, you're right, Chase. And I remember... Uh... I moved to England ahead of my wife, and then when I finally went home, I picked up her and my pets with PCS to uh, RF Mildenhall. But we're living off base in in, in a, in a uh, like a cottage downtown, and hot water heater wasn't working. It was pretty cool out. It was kind of like fall, and I was like, "Oh man, we got no hot water or shower." My wife's like, "Oh, no problem." She just went and put the biggest pot we had on the stove and boiled water and made me a bath. So, you know, just I wouldn't have even thought of that. I could probably could have had been a week like that and not thought of, oh, I can't shower. But, you know, for her, she's from Brazil. She grew up without hot water. So it was nothing to her to to figure that out. So, right. Um, the other thing I want to say about the phenomenon, you know, we talk about how intelligent. Right. And it's that funny are. that. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, go ahead. How intelligent they where we estimate yeah. how intelligent they are. Um, I'm going to make an estimate for you. I often wonder who's keeping the secret, who's responsible for the secrets. Okay. Well, you know, when you look at it, they go and they empty out a lake and you know, you, you go to Walmart, it's a dollar eight a gallon. And when you think about it, they were able to get all that drinking water uh, for no money. Instead of going to Walmart, checking out, you know, buying gallon jugs of water, I, th I think that's extraordinary. That shows their intelligence. They got all that drinking water for free. Um, rock on, you know, ETs. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> stupid about these people. They live a millionaire's life with their crops and their cattle and the love of their family. I mean, I just, you know, I just came back a different person, honestly. Mm -hmm. Let me bring up something. I hope to blow your mind. Please. So what if we're, what if our government is not responsible for keeping the secret that they're told they can't talk about it because there will be ramifications because these beings have been here forever. They could come down and maybe cure cancer. They could come down and really unite the human species. They could come down and even just let us know they're here. And they don't. Everything they do is in dark 
darkness and then why keep that secret so tight against our chest? Maybe it's not our idea or our decision. How about that one? Interesting hypothesis for sure. And, uh, uh, but it's gone so many generations, it would be sort of, and so many administrations, it would be hard to, to keep that under, under wraps. Um, interesting though. I mean, who knows? So many of the aspects of the phenomenon we don't know, but, uh, uh, Deb has something for you. Then we, these are, this is our last round, our final round. If you are, so if no, we're in a, gonna... a 15 round fight, we're in round 12. Yeah, I was going to say that in the Native Australians, when they did their artwork, um, they said that they're sky people, but they also said that only very special people are allowed to do it, and only very specific members of the group are allowed to do it, and anyone else would be offensive and uh, sacrilegious, and they said that the sky people told them that. They set that rule in place for them, so it's interesting that you should propose that idea but um, I just think, you know, as you said earlier, there's probably lots of entities involved. So I don't think they're all on the same page with that either. <laughs> you know, that's all. And I, and I don't have another question at this I agree. point. I just... <laughs> and your question was, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have another question. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming out and talking to us today. You have invaluable amounts of information. So I hope you're sharing that with everybody. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh hell yes i'll come on your show i love your show so thanks for inviting me and we have to pay chase by the word so now this extra time it's it's going to cost us a little more out of the kitty nathan uh, <laughs> okay. nathan is our <laughs> dip into the well on that one yeah i, I no, also just want to because i was offline <laughs> for the same amount of time right there we go there we go thank you chase um <laughs> Well, I, I also hour. want to reiterate exactly. There we go. I want to reiterate what Deb uh, said, Chase, and you know, it takes a lot to devote the kind of time and energy that you've given to this subject, and that comes from a place of, in my opinion, passion and genuine interest and dedication. You know, all these wonderful qualities that you have, and I just want to thank you for the the work that you've done in making this the 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 topic and kind of expanding the awareness that, that that you have brought to the table uh you know we're in a different place now because of the work of people like you and i just i'm so grateful to be alive at this time or seeing what we're seeing and it's a it's an exciting time uh, but it's also going to be a time fraught with change and and there will be as you know people who are going to have a difficult time transitioning with some of this uh, information and you know, I think part of our job is to be there to be supportive and a good listener and positive and kind of help us all get through this. And we're also going to have, you know, folks that we need to talk to who can listen to us and, and help us through it. And, and we're going to get through it together. But, but Chase, I, I just I'm really grateful to have the chance to speak with you. And, and thank you for spending time with us this evening. I'm just going to delay because I don't know what going I'm really very humbled and, and thank you. I would like to say one thing. Um, I'd like to include my husband in this because he has funded every penny I put in thousands of dollars in DNA analysis. Like he has never once made me feel like I couldn't do that. And, 
and his support, even when his his job could have been on the line. He was not, he was proud of what his wife was doing. He put my little book up. I mean, he just tell everybody. So um, without him, there's no way, no way. So thank you, Nathan. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, shout out to your husband. Um, I want to start out by saying your hair looks great tonight. Um, and also, <laughs> she's probably just going to hear that right about now. There she goes. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't (laughs) No, you look great. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry that I'm not going to close with a, a, uh, well, I am going to close with a comment, but I want to say a word and just get your opinion because it's, there's so much tied up in this individual individual of the amazing, uh, things that he has experienced. So I'm going to say the name Chris Bledsoe and his experience and um, your experience with him. One hundred percent real deal. I have been to his house. I have I mean, for years um, I investigated Chris Bledsoe. I took that man is tells the truth and I I. I have to tell you, that man blows me away. And maybe sometime if I can come back, we had a huge experience where Chris and I, with seven other investigators, lost eight minutes of time. So, you know, when you're with Chris, expect the unexpected. And can you speak about the wallpaper on that craft? Was it something very gauche? Was it something that you would have put in your house? Wallpaper on what craft? The one you were in. <laughs> no. Oh. All three helmet cams were missing eight minutes. I don't remember a single minute of it. But if there was wallpaper, they needed me to pick it out. Trust me. <laughs> well, that's a shame because really, that's really what Deb and I and Nathan wanted to know is what type of wallpaper they're using or are they doing like sort of a distressed wood kind of a look? And, and we didn't get any of those answers from you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's not, <laughs> is there a ship lap, right? Nathan behind the headboard. <laughs> There's definitely a ship lap. Yeah. It ship lap. I mean, come on. It's, it's yeah. part of the, you see why I love these guys. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's not if you're coming back, uh, Chase. It's only if you say yes. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you to your husband, my uh, U.S. Navy brother. Tell him one love from DJ Air Force, homie. And uh, one love from everybody on cab. Uh, Experiencer stuff couldn't be here tonight. Flarious Kevin uh, couldn't be here. But you got Deb and, and a little bit of what she got to offer. Money, Nathan. And thank you so much. We're, we're honored to have an original gangster like you yourself. Awesome. May you consume many bottles of wine ar- around the fire with, uh, you know, Richard Dolan and, and Jacques Vallée and, and all these people. And even throw Elizondo in there. The wine. All right. I'm on Cosmopolitan. <laughs> no, we can't be drinking Cosmopolitan around the fire. We got to dumb it down a little bit, Chase. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Get you some old Milwaukee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you, love. Thanks, Chase. Namaste. Thank you.